Welcome to Wide World of Fan Fiction, where fan fiction is created as the high art form that it is, and as the purest form of literature, and today we have a very special guest. I met him in Chicago at C2E2. Everyone meet co-executive producer Wobble Pit! Wabba Wabba. Thank you, co-executive producer Wabba Fett. Yes, he is a joy. He is a plushy fifty-dollar Wabba Fett, and I love him very much. And he, he actually picked out a great story for you today. And since Easter is coming up, and like me, Wabba Fett is also an atheist. <laughs> Wabba Fett does not believe in God. He was able to find something Easter themed, though, and of all the stories you and Wabafet could think of, who has a rabbit in it more than Alice in Wonderland? And this is no ordinary take on Alice in Wonderland. No, it is John in Wonderland. Except instead of Alice, it's John Mulaney. John Mulaney in Wonderland, and at six chapters, it was published on, updated on June 30th, 2022, and published in February, on February 21st of 2020. No, 20, 20, times at 9.15, I shouldn't have stayed up until 9 last night, that was really crazy of me. Anyway, uh... Wabba Fett, do you want to host this, huh? Are you drunk? He might be, I don't know. Anyway, let's... I say, let's start, let's dive right into this literally, ma literally, literary, and literally, literary, and literally a masterpiece by M.Z. And chapter one is called Into the Cellar. John was beginning to get very tired of sitting up against the wall of the bodega where Nick had left him five minutes prior with an admonition not to fall over. Once or twice, he tried reading the socialist leaflet soaking in the puddle under his nose, but it had no pictures or paragraph breaks in it. Also, the text was blurry, in part because of the water, and in part because John was very drunk. John was punder pondering, pondering whether the pleasure of going indoors and making Nick buy him some biscotti. Uh, no spaces in between, would be worth the effort of getting up when suddenly a black rat ran past him. There's nothing so very remarkable in that, it being New York and all. However, as the rat scuttled past his leg through the propped open bodega door, John was somewhat surprised to hear it grumble, Out of my way, pal! I'm sorry, said John automatically, for he was a very polite young man, except for those times when he was an enraged gorilla. He moved his leg so that the doorway would be entirely unobstructed, but the rat had already gone inside. He probably didn't hear me, John thought, struggling to his feet. I should go after him and apologize properly. The cashier glanced up as he stumbled and then went back to reading then went back to reading her romance novel. John looked around, except for him the bodega was empty of customers. The rat wasn't by the Chinese-language ATM, or the chip stand, or the deli counter, or the shelves with gum and candy. He walked further, between the shelves with cookies and cereal. One of the shelves, stacked high with Oreo boxes labeled in the Cyrillic alphabet, had a cat on it. 
The cat was washing its face and paid John no mind. Pardon me, have you seen a rat go by? John asked the cat. The cat stopped its ab ab ablutions and looked at him. <laughs> ablutions, that's a great word. And looked at him with round, light green eyes that seemed somehow familiar. <clears throat> then, it, then it opened its huge, sharp-toothed maw and creaked out a mew, which morphed halfway into a yawn. John decided not to bother it further. It was probably a break. The shelves with boring cookies soon gave way to shelves with pasta and condiments, then goya beans in a rainbow of flavors, then off-brand household cleaners, and then by the wall of phone chargers, all of them for Nokia at least three years out of date. John spotted the rat. It was scampering just ahead and grumbling to itself. F me, I'm going to be so late. John was about to call out to it when the floor under his feet gave way and he fell into the cellar. Either the cellar was very deep, or he fell very slowly, or the tin nickel shots he had at O'Halligan's were making themselves felt. But John had plenty of time as he went down to look around and wonder what was going to happen next. First he tried to look down, but it was too dark to see anything. Then he looked around. The walls were lined, no space in between, with yet more shelves with random items on them. There was shampoo with one reach and tampons, not within reach, and even a TV with old-fashioned rabbit ears showing, no space in between, a soccer game. West Germany was tied with Netherlands one-to-one. -one. There were also old maps of New York on the walls, sun-faded shots of Daniel Aiello, pegs with old-fashioned 1940s newsman fedoras. At one point, John passed by a shelf, stacked with boxes of biscotti, and tried to grab one. However, the box snapped at his fingers, and John withdrew his hand with haste. Down, down, down. How deep, do they, how deep do they build the cellars in these godforsaken bodegas anyway, thought John. I must have fallen a mile by now, and I've got work tomorrow. There better be an elevator to take me back to the surface because I am sewed up. Walking up the stairs. Ugh. John tried to calculate his calculate in his head how many stairs it would take to go up one mile and he got so far as four and five equals twelve when he landed into a pile of something soft and pungent and the fall was over that was chapter there's my cursor and chapter two is called the unreachable stage we might have time for three chapters actually John was not a bit hurt, except in his lower back and his hips and his knees, but that was just like, you know, life. He got up from what turned out to be a heap of oily rags that smelled of engine oil and creosote and looked around. It was very dark. I must have fallen into a subway tunnel, John thought, and tried to remember which train line ran under the bodega. As far as he knew, there were none. However, however it was common knowledge that the MTA had all sorts of spare tunnels, so he was not entirely surprised. Up ahead, he could hear the black rat screwing ahead and still muttering to itself in a voice that sounded suspiciously like Ratso Rizzo from Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> F me right up my furry little a-hole, I'm going to be so effing late. John felt in his pocket and struck a light from his lighter. There were no rails on the ground, but he was indeed in a long, fairly narrow tunnel, and the racks he had so fortunately landed on were indeed stained with motor oil, as were now his jeans. He started ahead, following the echoing mutterings of the black rat, and soon found himself in a long hall with rows of lamps hanging from the roof, presumably a disused train station. The lighter in his hands in his hand heated up. And John released the wheel with a curse. It turned out that the lamps were aglow, j just barely, with a sort of quarter-power luminosity, one that sometimes it sometimes bleh, 
experiences in excruciatingly, excruciatingly cheap diner bathrooms. <laughs> it's true. Speaking of bathrooms, John looking around, there were doors all around. For a while, John walked up down the large, echoing hall, trying to eat, trying to eat, trying each one. But they were all locked. John walked up to the middle and put his hands to his mouth. Hello! He screamed out the louder. Hello! Uh oh, hello? The echo answered in a slightly oleogenous. Oleogen. These are some of the best words! <laughs> Suddenly, John noticed a small, three legged wrought iron table with a glass top. There was a key attached by means of a short chain to a cinder block. A bodega bathroom key! <laughs> If he ever saw one. Now if he only knew which door it went to. John grabbed the cinder lock and trotted with it to the closest door. But alas, either the locks were too large or the key was too small. But at any rate, it would not open any of them. However, on the second time around, John came, up, came upon a low curtain of red velvet. And so veiling a miniature stage, behind it was a little, do it was a little door about 15 inches in height. He tried to key in it, and to his great delight, it fit. John squatted down on the cold stone floor with a groan, for he was much too tall to be able to look in otherwise, and pushed open the tiny door. It led to a small passage, which indeed opened out to a stage. Tormenting himself with visions of pristine porcelain urinals, a sink with hot and cold running water, for this sojourn to the underground was making him exceptionally grimy, and a well-stocked paper towel dispenser, John got up with another groan and he returned to the little table, hoping that there might be another key somewhere on it that he missed. This time he found a little bottle on it, which certainly was not here before, thought John, for he was not one to miss a bottle anywhere. Round the neck of the bottle was a paper label with the words, Drink Me, beautifully printed out in large letters. Both of you to assume I wouldn't have if you were if you were unlabeled, thought John, and took a sip. The flavor was confusing. If John had to describe it, it would be a mix of chicken cacciatore, cottage cheese, and strawberry daiquiris garbage with ambient. But since he was asked to drink it, John had to be polite and finish it off. Well, this is just great, John thought as he watched the table in front of him grow bigger and bigger. You better be the one growing, mother effer, he told the table, because if I'm the one who's shrinking, I'm going to sue this goddamn city back into bankruptcy. But judging by the size of the now huge doors all around him, John was indeed the one shrinking. In fact, he was now at the size of his own action figure, should anyone ever have the terrible idea to release one. Maybe not an action figure, thought John, just a regular pole-string talking doll with unbendable joints and a repertoire of 50 facts about the Cosby Show. When the room around him stopped growing, John thought he might as well take advantage of the situation and go through the small door to the magical stage. But alas, he has forgotten the key with the cinder block up, up on the table. He could, see it he could see it plainly through the glass, and short as he now was, he could no longer reach it. To whom I may concern, I don't care for this at all, grumbled John. As he tried to climb one of the wrought iron legs up to the glass top and slide ba and slid back down almost immediately, he tried again and again, but he was not an athletic child, and he didn't grow up into an into an athletic adult. And whenever he was now at ten inches tall, it was not athletic either. The next time he slid off the table leg onto the floor, his butt landed on something so small and hard it turned out to be a little glass box. John opened it and found and found it in a brownie on which the words eat me were beautifully marked in many M&Ms. Fine, said John, I'll eat it, and if it makes me grow larger, I can reach the key, and if it makes me grow smaller, I'll crawl under the door. If it's a pot brownie, I'll conk out, and the rats will eat me. Either way, I'm out of here. 
He took a bite and put his hand to the top of his head to see which way he was growing. Annoyingly, he seemed to be the same size as before. To be sure, this generally happens when one eats brownies, unless one eats them to excess over a period of many months or years. But John was miffed. 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 Oh, that sucked, he said, and finished the brownie in two bites to console himself. Chapter 3. The Pool of Depth. Do we have time for- We might have time for four chapters. Let's- Let's aim for four- Let's aim for four out of six here and get most, most of the story. Now that's more like it, John said as the table started to shrink some more. Seriously, you don't take a six-foot man and make him a- Midget, you just don't. The table continued to recede downward. After a while, John began to worry. I'm starting to look like an NBA rookie- an NBA rookie, he, rookie, he muttered. Any taller and I'll be able to do no jump dunks, which isn't terrible, but I've got back troubles as it is. What's my life going to be when I'm the size of Yao Ming but without any of the scales? And what's my shoe size going to be now, 18, 20? Where does one even find shoes that big? Just in his head struck against the roof of the hall, groaning. He went down to grab the cinder block with the key and headed to the tiny door. Of course, now the idea of getting through it was more hopeless than ever. Oh, you think this is funny? John yelled into the dark passage, no one in particular. You think it's funny jerking me around like that when I need to use the bathroom? <laughs> what if I go ahead and stick my dick is basically eh, D through your effing door? How about that? You better think hard about this. Do you want me to inside your world pissing out or outside pissing in? <laughs> It was a hollow throat, of course. For one thing, the door was too low to the ground to permit such acrobatics. And for another, John knew better than to burn bridges in show business. <laughs> he sat back against the wall and huffed. And now I'm all damp. Can't believe I got sweaty just from screaming. Nick's right. I need to quit smoking. No. F Nick. It's his fault. I need to pee. You gotta hydrate, bro. F out of here with your hydration. He fell silent. A little muttering of feet could be heard in the distance. It was a black rat returning, now dressed in a billabong t-shirt and four little white sneakers. He was trotting along in a great hurry and muttering to himself. He's going to be pissed. F me. He's going to be so pissed if I'm late. Excuse me, said John pleadingly. Is there a bathroom? The black rats. The black rat started violently. So violently, in fact, he slid clean out of his t-shirt and his front paw sneakers and scurried away into the darkness as hard as he could. John picked up the tiny sneakers with the tips of his fingers into them and began dancing them up and down the stone floor, Charlie Chaplin style. <laughs> what a day, he told himself. This has to be the weirdest day of my life, and then added, probably. He finger walked the sneakers over to a pebble and began to drive it forwards and backwards along the wall with, a, with little finger kicks. I mean, I only remember, what, 20% of my life past 6 p.m.? It's always work, lunch, work, back to Nick's place, in some club, but said a couple of drinks, I black out, and then I wake up on Nick's couch, and it's time to go to work again. But all I know, I've been here like 50 times. Now, that's unlikely. I've had, I have had the foresight to bring down a chamber pot, or leave him, leave myself a note. Like, hey, idiot, open the door first, prop it open, then drink from the stupid bottle. Or no, I guess I wouldn't, if I never remembered having been here before. John lay down and stretched out on his back, putting his hands under his head. Great acoustics, though. Thanks up curtains to dampen the echoes, bringing some chairs in this almost a theater. John took in a huge, big lungful of air and began to sing. 
How do you do? My name's Winnie Todd. These are my razors. This is my shop. My skin is pale. My eye is odd. Here I come for you. Chop, chop, chop. Hang on. They, those aren't the right words. He says, Yakko faded away. Oh, this isn't good. Blacking out, blacking out every night is one thing, but if I can't remember Les Mis lyrics, why even live on this earth? John sat up and realized them. Realized something. The sneakers which had been on his fingers before were now big enough to engulf his entire fingers. He looked around frantically. The ceiling was more, was uh, once more far away, and the doors around him loomed, loomed taller than ever. John got up and ran into the table as fast as he could, which wasn't fast at all, to be honest, managing to grab the cinder block just as the top of his head passed the tabletop on his way back down. Ha-ha! He exclaimed. Now if I could just stop drinking again. Oh, no, the sneakers! He threw them down hastily, just in time to avoid disappearing altogether. Well, that wasn't ideal, said John, looking at the cinder block on the floor beside him on the table, which now loomed larger than ever, but at least I can go through the- Oh, F me! He had looked behind him just in time to see the little door blown shut by the draft. In a rage, John kicked a tiny pebble with all his might, which was now less mighty than ever. Unfortunately, his foot-eye coordination was also terrible. Instead of connecting with the pebble, his foot simply slipped. Another, in another moment, splash! John was up to his chin in salt water. And that was... Oh, we're at... I say, ooh, do we do chapter four... Chapter Four: The Sermon, The Sermon on the Bank. What am I swimming in? John asked himself as he splashed about, and then added, "Which is ever a, never a good question to ask yourself." He was in fact swimming in a puddle of his own damp that he had made when he was a giant. The tiny patch of dampness under his butt on the stones had now become a pool that stretched as far as the eye could see, which, admittedly, in this dark background, dark underground hall, was not very far. Well, it could have been worse, thought John. It could be pee. Speaking of which, ordinarily John would be above peeing in the pool like a small child. However, the pool being essentially his own butt sweat, he, fig <laughs> he figured things were already at peak grossness, and adding a little year into the mix could hardly make them any worse. Upon relieving himself, John did his best to swim away from the scene of the crime. To John's surprise, after a couple of minutes of vigorous dog paddling, he realized that he was not in the pool alone. Someone else was splashing nearby. At first, Sean thought it must be a walrus or a, or a hippopotamus, but then he remembered how small he was now. He hoped at first it was a black rat, and he might be able to yeah, corner him and get some answers for a change, but it was not the black rat. It was, in fact, a French bulldog. <laughs> I should try to talk to her, thought John. If the rat talks, maybe the dog talks, too, but how does one address a dog? Who's a good girl? John called out. The French bulldog turned his wrinkled face to him without ceasing its dog paddling. All right, she's French, thought John. He raked his memory for any French reading whatsoever. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? He proceeded finally. What did you say to me? Caxoucaire? The bulldog replied with a heavy French accent. Nique ta mère, you sack of bones. Sorry, said John. A bash, it's just all the French I know. Look at me, look at the surprise on my face, said the French bulldog. Look how surprised I am that you, you don't know a thing. I know a lot about law and order for John. Ah, you pauvre con, said the French bulldog with what appeared to be a sneer. It was hard to tell him at all the wrinkles. This place, it lies outside law and beyond or there. Actually, that's what I would like to know, said John. Where exactly are we? Where do you think, you imbecile? New York City. 
I just ca I just came from New York City. It didn't look anything like this. John tried to gesture with one arm or yeah, with one arm all around him. Beyond the pool of damp, he could now see several fires, hear police and fire sirens, and smell smoke. This is the real New York, mon ami infantile, said the French bulldog. And now, if you excuse me, I am getting out of out of this putain de piscine. John looked around. The pool around them was getting quite crowded. There were floating tires manned by babies armed with knives. There was also a raccoon, a goose, a turkey, a horse, which looked to be as confused as John himself, and a great number of other creatures besides. With the French bulldog leading the way and John following close, the whole party soon swam to shore. And what part? What a party it was! It had everything a wise old turtle. It looked like Quincy Jones, a sheepdog that looked like Bruce Willis, and a shaved lion that looked like Mario Batali. All of them dripping, and cross and uncomfortable. The babies kept pointing at John, some with fingers, others with their knives. In fact, everything on the bank looked angry with him, and the goose was hissing with his pink mouth open, showing two rows of sharp teeth. John gulped. The turkey was puffing out his chest, and as for the horse, John could read plainly its face. If you so much as look at me, I will stomp you to death with my hooves. In short, John felt not just wet and cold, but severely outnumbered. Silence, said the French bulldog. Je suis Patunia, and I am the alpha here. No one disputed. Now, if you will listen to me, I know what will make us all dry. What is the driest thing in the world? Everyone looked at each other. No one said anything. The world's biggest child fresh out of the world's biggest dryer? Finally, said John. One of the babies looked at him with special intensity and <laughs> drew a pudgy finger across its throat. Mass! Mass! said Petunia. And as though John had not spoken, the driest thing of all is, is a mass. Phaser, s'il vous plaît. A priest made his way through the throng. <laughs> John was mildly surprised to see another fully grown, fully human man in this assembly until the father passed him and John noticed a long, wet monkey tail poking out the back of his vestments, switching back and forth along the dirty stones. <laughs> the priest stood in front of the assembly and waited with patiently, with patently false humility for the din of muttering to die down. Then he began to drone while, drone while crossing himself. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen, answered the congregation dutifully. May the risen Lord be with you, and with your spirit, answered the congregation at the same time as John answered, and also with you. Everyone turned to stare at him. The priest gave him a pitying look. Now just wait a goddamn minute, said John. I've gone to Mass every week practically since birth, and the priest says, The Lord be with you, you answer, and also with you. You are wrong, my child, said the priest patronizingly. I am not wrong, Father, and if you would consult the missile, the missile is also wrong, said the priest. And skipping for some reason over the rest of the in in introductory rites continued. A reading from the Book of Judges. After the time of Ab Abimelech, a man of is Issachar named Tola, son of Pua, the son of Dodo. What? said a voice from the crowd. I beg your pardon, said the priest coldly. Do you call my name? said the voice. I did no such thing, said the priest. To proceed, the son of Dodo rose to save Israel. He lived in Shamir, in the hill country of Ephraim. He led Israel twenty-three years. Then he died and was buried in Shamir. He was followed by Jair of Gilead, who led Israel twenty-two years. Hey, father, can you speed up the count this countdown, said John, dancing in place a little to stay warm. 
He had thirty sons. The priest rode on through clenched teeth. He rode thirty donkeys. This is not working, proclaimed the shaved lion. He looked like Mario Batali. <laughs> I'm as wet and miserable as ever. Perhaps a psalm, suggested Petunia. She was now smoking a cigarette, which Sean found puzzling, even supposing that she somehow stored both cigarettes and the lighter in her manifold face wrinkles. It was entirely unclear how she managed to keep them dry in the pool. Yes, yes, a psalm, agreed the priest. A frog in livery stepped forth, the usher, the usher, John guessed, and began to sing loudly and badly. The bread of God is bread. He will bring us bread. No one but the one from Jericho can bring bread to bread. The congregation hummed, al hummed along uncertainly. It was plain to see that without pamphlets to guide them, no one knew their lines for shh. <laughs> the bread of bread is bread. Bread is God is bread. Suddenly, red and blue lights began to flash over in the distance. It's the police! <laughs> the crowd! Everyone turned to John expectantly. The police yelled, John. The lights came flashing closer. The crowd began to murmur and panic, and someone yelled, Scatter! And everyone ran in different directions. Whew. And that was chapter four of the six-part chapter, John in Wonderland. And actually, the words that didn't have spaces in between them are kind of weird, but you that happens, you know, because clearly someone used grammar software for this, because it is very structurally sound, and they use some awesome words, actually. Like, I have to look up some. It's like, what does that? Oh, that's on an SAT, isn't it? And also, I think, <laughs> oh, they're right. They, okay, this was before the whole scandal thing with him, but before that, they got all of this re these references down. <laughs> they even got the Stefan stuff. And it really works. It's like, they obviously get that, you know, the base, the plot of Alice in Wonderland, too, because, dang, they really merge these two really great together. Ugh, this is actually co producer Wobble Fett. Good job. You picked a great story. Is our laundry done yet? We need to throw it in the dryer. No? Okay, you go do that, co executive producer Wobble Fett. <laughs> And yeah, so there are two more chapters left, and I will leave the link in the description if you want to go read John in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, this is actually... You know, I've never been an Alice, big Alice in Wonderland fan, but th this I... <laughs> this I this I like, after you fix all the weird words with the not spaces in between them. But anyway, this is a... So I'm not going to give it a 5 out of 5 because that's kind of... 4.9. It's a 4.9 because that, that that's kind of hard to read when they're all jumbled together. But at least that's paragraphs and punctuations and the correct marks and stuff, which is re really rare. I have a writing and publishing degree. What am I doing here? <laughs> anyway... Ah, and you, you also have some high quality. Oh, God. oh my God! What's the picture? What's the, oh my gosh! It's John Mulaney's face. What's <laughs> that? The Nick is on the just That's the uh, Glenelsa favorite. Oh, 
they have 21 uh, stories, and oh, and they were uh, the profiles updated in 2016, so they have some pretty recent stuff on here, actually. Yeah. So, no, this John in Wonderland was their latest, but... Yes, uh, so yeah, they have a lot of Les Mis stuff, Highlander, and also, so, oh, one Harry Potter, and apparently they're big fans of Les Miserables, so I feel like Les Miserables definitely, hold on, let me, ah, there it goes, my computer, so go, go to the MMZ, I think that's John Valjean in their picture, and they have a Tumblr, an archive of her own user, so Boan E R G S B O A N E R G E S Boanjurist. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it like that, like mid Midwestern accent. <laughs> anyway, now if you have your own fan fiction, you can you know submit it to the Facebook page. You know, so I I like money. So if you want to sponsor the show, because I, there is a con coming up in my small little town and. It'd be cool to have a table, and I need listeners and stats and clout for that, and I will, I have some great pro ideas for stuff to give away, so if you want to, you know, come to a, a, the middle of a state that might be the capital of something and is not too far from Chicago, <laughs> that's all you're kidding. I'm not telling you exactly where. So, yeah, do that, and also, um... I was going to say something else. Oh, no. Co-executive producer Wabu Fett was. Any remarks you have on this? No. He says this, this is peak parody humor, and he is so right about that. And this was Wide World of Fan Fiction. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. and Don't find yourself in puddles of damp. <laughs>